Welcome to Confessions from a Dental Lab. This show is all about bringing you into the lab, beneath the surface, so you can see things, hear things, and understand things right from the source. Learn from longtime ceramists, dentists, and lab techs, both young and old. Without further ado, let's begin. Welcome back to Confessions from a Dental Lab. My name is KJ Eichstead. I'll be your host, and I'm joined today by Frank Heiser. Frank, how you doing? I'm doing great, KJ. Yep, thank you for joining us, Frank, and thank you everyone for tuning in. This show actually just charted top 120 of all health and fashion, excuse me, fashion and beauty podcasts in America. So that was super cool. Couldn't have done it without the listeners growing each week. So thank you everyone who's shared this with someone. We encourage you to keep doing so, whether you're a new dentist, just starting off or in school, a dentist in the middle of your career, um, a dentist near the end of your career, nearing retirement or even like a dental technician or just kind of someone who's interested in the way things work. We think you can find value in this show. And uh, that brings us to today's topic. One of the most popular items in the, the dental lab world, in the dental world, and I would even say in the, in the fashion world is veneers. And, and that's essentially when you can basically create a perfect smile. Uh, and there are a variety of different materials that these veneers can be made out of. You know, you see a lot of celebrities use them. So, so we thought that would be kind of interesting as a topic for the show today. Um, Frank, I, I kind of want to kick it to you. Like, what's one of the more common uh, materials you see being used for veneers? And I guess, like, could you expand on that in terms of maybe strengths and weaknesses and use cases? Sure. Yeah. That's a, it's a complicated question. Uh, here at Newart, we typically use uh, two different materials uh, for veneers. There's certainly other options out there that are available, but uh, we typically use uh, uh, pressed uh, lithium disilicate. We use the Emax. You know, a lot of people uh, uh, prefer and use the Lisi press. We've had good success with both of them, uh, but just find that we've had such a pre- predictable. Uh, past and experienced uh, with the uh, IPS Emacs, that that's our, our, our main go-to material uh, for all of our veneers. And uh, there's a, a number of reasons. Number one is that you get a really good margin integrity, especially when you're pressing it. Veneers are, are very delicate and we have some very, very thin extensions. We can make them, you know, sometimes as thin as, as 0.2 uh, millimeters in thickness. And so when you start getting down to those thicknesses, um, the strength of the material and its ability to um, uh, support those really thin extensions and survive, uh, you know, the stresses that it's going to be under is very important. And uh, the Emax material is very strong. And so, um, you know, it's, it's roughly like 470 to 500 megapascals in flexural strength. There's some different figures out there. So that's, uh, it's, it's a good, robust material, but it is fairly beautiful too. And so it, it's our go-to. The one downfall with it is that you do use a lot of space, uh, you know, with the ingot material. And so in situations where you have very, very little space, which most veneers, that, that is the case, you know, by the very nature of veneers, you're being conservative, you're prepping a very small amount on those uh, teeth. Uh, but in the situations where you need a lot of characterization or you need things to look extremely natural, we have another go-to material and that would be a feldspathic veneer. And so what that is, is basically a veneer made completely out of veneering ceramic. There is no substructure 
Um, you know, so there's no juncture, there's no weak point in it, but uh, really the whole veneer is made out of that feldspathic porcelain. And that is a much weaker material. It's anywhere from, uh, you know, maybe 60, 70, 90 megapascals flexural strength. I've seen some uh, people claim that it's 110, depending on what research you look at. But it's considerably weaker than the Emacs and some of the other pressable uh, materials out there. But as all materials go, the, the most beautiful ones are always the weakest ones as well. Makes sense, makes it's, sense. Yeah, so it gains a lot of its strength from, uh, you know, once it's actually bonded to the teeth, but you really can't compare uh, the natural beauty that can be achieved uh, with a feldspathic veneer. And so it just depends on what the goal is, and, and that kind of guides what material we're going to use. And so in the situations where we need something to look incredibly natural, we're going to go feldspathic. We're tight for space. We need things to look, uh, you know, we're mimicking, uh, you know, some very natural teeth. Uh, you know, a patient just wants a subtle improvement, maybe in the shape, but they, they, they don't want things to look artificial in any way. That, uh, you know, really guides us towards that feldspathic route. Now, a lot of people are doing veneers because they do want some pretty significant changes, you know, aesthetically, whether it be shade, shape or both of them and and sometimes we're closing uh you know gaps uh, diastemas uh maybe uh they just want a, a totally different form but usually it's a combination of things that people are looking for and so a lot of those drastic changes uh you know the emax material covers the whole gamut of ingots that we need there's so many choices going from completely opaque uh, to uh, translucent like enamel and so and everything in between so there's a lot of options and once you familiarize yourself with uh, you know the correct ingot selection per indication um, then uh, you know you have a lot of options in your arsenal and in your toolbox to be able to make some really drastic changes for people yeah thank or frank thank you so much for going into that because i know a lot of people just heard a lot of really big words, but if that, if you take away anything, just know that Frank knows his stuff as as it, in terms of uh, you know veneers, all things dental lab materials, and, and specifically, you know the background from being a longtime ceramist. You mentioned several different ways to go about it. Does that, you know, drastically vary the time frames, or are they pretty consistent no matter what material would use you use? Could you kind of speak on that for a sec? Yeah, there's um, the time frame is similar uh, with both of them. There's definitely a lot more processing steps when you do, uh, you know, a pressable. Um, you know, some people will mill Emacs. We haven't found that to be all that successful within our laboratory. So we go with the tried and true pressing. We get a lot more uh, better margin integrity. And that involves a lot of steps. I mean, you have to uh, get a wax pattern, which we arrive at digitally after designing it. And we mill a, a wax pattern. And then uh, we'll sprue that up. We'll invest it. Then that uh, gets burned out in a furnace. And once that's burnt out, then uh, we'll press uh, the Emacs in there. Once that's all cooled and ready to go, we'll divest that. We'll recover, uh, you know, the, the pressing. And then uh, we'll, uh, you know, put it in a, a liquid to get rid of the reaction layer. Um, then we got to fit it uh, to the dyes, uh, shape it up, uh, contour, cut off the sprues. Um, and so 
there's uh, a lot of stages even before it gets to the ceramic uh, team. And so once it's in the ceramist's hands, then, uh, you know, we can start the layering process. We start it um, by obviously, you know, that surface needs to be incredibly clean. Uh, any small adjustments are made to that to create, uh, you know, characterization, mammalon structures, uh, internal structures. And we, you know, some of them uh, will layer them. Some of them we stay with monolithic, depending on how much room we have and what the goals are. But, uh, uh, you know, once the ceramic, the ceramist gets it, they, they'll line it, uh, they'll layer it, uh, shape it, uh, and glaze it. And so there's quite a few steps that I listed off right there. Whereas with the feldspathic veneers, we're really going right from our model work right into the ceramist hands. Hmm. And so, um, it, you know, it cuts out a lot of those other steps, but the ceramist is responsible for everything. You know, you're basically hmm. building up that veneer. So if you have a great powders. ceramist, that's all good. But yep. you want to make sure you have a great ceramist team that's working on them. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's very technique sensitive. Yeah. Uh, I mean, both of them are. Uh, and, and really... Uh, veneers are fragile. Even, yeah. even with a strong Emacs material, it really takes a delicate hand uh, to pull them off uh, because of, of how thin, uh, you know, we're working on. And uh, a little too much pressure, a little too much heat, and uh, we're going to see some fractures in them. Yeah, you know, that, that kind of leads me to my next question. What kind of feedback have you heard from dentists and doctors about just like installation have you heard any varying feedback or maybe just consistent feedback or maybe a story here a story there about you know what a dentist maybe told you about installing veneers of this of this sort or, or maybe versus that sort or could you talk about that just kind of from a dentist perspective like maybe there'd be some differences they could be sure aware of absolutely yeah uh it's not uncommon to have a, a higher rate of of fit issues with the feldspathic veneer just because of the technique sensitive nature of it and it's the ones it's that all, look the best you're gonna yeah. have to give up some 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 sacrifice in some place exactly exactly the the margin integrity may not be as as close but it does it's definitely in an acceptable range um so uh there's a just a higher chance of, of a fit issue with those it's very simple uh to um, you know, depending on, on which technique you use, we happen to use the foil uh, uh, veneering technique here. Um, and that's, uh, you know, as you're removing the foil in that last step, it's very easy to damage uh, that uh, uh, veneer. Um, and so it's one of those things, if something happens there or a margin chips and you were unaware of it, don't catch it, then, you know, there's a, there's a greater chance, chance for issues. Whereas with the Emacs, once you've got it pressed, you've got it through pressing, by and large, it, it survives, you know, the rest of the process because it is just so much stronger. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Man, I mean, I learned a lot just now in this quick 10, 11 minutes. Do you have any final thoughts on various materials for veneers and, and maybe the installation? Just, you know, when to use which one to use? Is there any rule of thumb or is it just kind of case by case? It's or? definitely, it's case by case. And I'll kind of reiterate, I mean, if you're looking for something to really look natural, 
the feldspathic veneers are definitely your go-to. The Emacs is great for when we're looking more for, you know, kind of like that Hollywood look. We can certainly make Emacs look very natural too, but it, it requires a lot of manipulation and just a little bit more space uh, to do that. So I'm not going to say that, that the Emacs veneers don't look good, but if, if like mimicry of nature is the number one goal, then your, your uh, feldspathic veneer is your go-to. Anything else, uh, Emacs uh, is a really good result. There's other uh, materials out there, uh, some of the pressables that are available. We don't uh, really use them much. We have in the past, we have experience using them. And so if somebody really needed them, we could certainly accommodate that. But, uh, you know, Empress uh, veneers uh, have been very, very popular in years past. And we've certainly worked with uh, the Empress aesthetic and, uh, you know, the previous versions of the Emacs. And so we, we have a long-standing relationship uh, working on these veneers. Um, and so, yeah, really, uh, there's a lot of options out there. But uh, just to simplify our arsenal, we really, uh, you know, kind of narrowed it down to the two that are going to give us, you know, the, the ability to cover the widest range of situations and issues. And I'm very confident uh, using the Emacs material, we can put it over a, a totally dark preparation and we have ingots that can accommodate that, you know, can block that out. I will say that the preparation needs to account for that and you have to prepare it much more aggressively. We've We've put uh, veneers over pretty much like black, uh, you know, uh, preparation shades or stump shades as they're called, all the way to something that looks very nice and natural and tooth colored. Um, and so we really have a lot of tools to deal with every individual situation. And so it is a case, back to your question, it is a case by case thing. Uh, but there's there's very few cases that the Emacs won't work for. Yeah. It's just those those few with very little room and we're really looking for that extra, extra natural look, then we go to the Feldspathic. Yeah, and, and I think that's a great way to just wrap up because uh, if you want to check it out on our Instagram, Life at New Art Dental, we do veneers in the cosmetic fashion, you know, the ones that are pretty white, you know, pretty perfect. And then we also do beautiful veneers that are very, very, very natural looking. You know, the, the teeth are obviously aren't like, you know, pure blinding white, they're much more of that natural uh, shade. And I think uh, the takeaways for, for dentists and maybe, you know, um, future dental techs or current dental techs or anyone just listening to this is that, you know, the more you know about veneers, the better you can be at your practice and then for your patients. And then the more you know about those materials that those veneers are made of, you know, that's just even solidifying your knowledge base further and just can help make you, you know, better resource for your team, your patients, your your business and and ultimately just change the world one smile at a time so frank thanks so much for dropping some knowledge on us again this has been confessions from a dental lab thank you so much for listening everybody make sure to share with a friend you hope you have a great weekend we'll catch you next week thank you for listening to this episode of confessions from a dental lab if you'd like to contact the show simply send us an email at dentallabpodcast at gmail.com you can also get in touch with us at Life at New Art Dental on Instagram. Thank you for listening once again. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe and tell a friend. And until next time, we're out.